Are you looking for a way to support a loved one in recovery or show your own journey in a tangible way? Look no further than Simply Sober. Our recovery-based apparel company provides clothing, accessories, and activities designed to empower and support those on their journey to recovery. From sober-themed t-shirts, meaningful jewelry, and powerful recovery content, we have something for everyone. So let us help you express your recovery journey. Visit our website, simplysober.biz, today. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. So some discussion sparked on the Addicts in the Dark Facebook page earlier this week as to whether or not addiction is in fact a disease or not. Just my two cents. Yeah, it is. Addiction is widely recognized as a complex and chronic disease. It's characterized by compulsive drug use, despite the harmful consequences. Like other chronic diseases, such as diabetes or heart disease, addiction involves changes in the brain's structure and functioning, impacting a person's behavior, decision-making, and self-control. Addiction is influenced by a combination of genetic, environmental, and psychological factors. It is not solely a result of moral weakness or lack of willpower. The disease model of addiction acknowledges that individuals have a vulnerability to develop addiction due to various biological and environmental factors. Conversation continues on the Addicts in the Dark Facebook page. Right now it's caller 37 and their story about addiction. Addicts in the Dark. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. So remember to remain anonymous. Okay. And unless you have any questions, let's talk about your addiction. Yeah, definitely. So I came from, you know, like, I didn't meet my father until I was older and I was born in in Canada. And uh, my mom moved, we moved out to, to the East Coast where she's from. And, you know, we were down there for a while with my grandfather and, and, you know, he passed. And then my mom finally decided to, you know, to uh, say it's time to, it's time to meet your father, right? You know, and I remember, I remember talking to him and things like that every once in a while, right? My mom would show me pictures, like she never hit him from me or nothing like that. But, you know, she always said that he took off, you know? So I was, I believed that. Right for the longest time. And what does that mean for you at the time? What do you perceive he took off to mean? Yeah, well, when my mom said that, like you know, pretty much he wanted nothing to do with me, right? And you know, I um, I met my father. We went to the CN Tower, and you know, we chilled and we hung out or whatever. We went out for lunch. We had a great time. And uh, so, um, at this time, I would have been around four or five, right? So I'm just a young and then, right? So anyways, my mom and him got back together and uh, there was a lot of drinking, you know? There was a lot of drinking, a lot, a lot of drinking, a lot of violence. Like I would come home from school 
and like, oh, my door would be locked and I'd be banging at the door. I'd only be in like, at those times, like grade three, grade four, you know, like, and I would knock at the door and the door would be locked. Oh, nobody's here. Okay. Ah, shit, mom must be at the bar. So I go up to the bar and well, sure shit, there she was, right? So, you know, I would stay there from the time I got home from school until closing hours, two, three o'clock. And then I'd go home and like, I'd see my dad and him, her fight. Right. And like, you know, my dad, you know, put a few beatings on my mom. Long story short, that ended one night when my mom, she, my dad hit her and beat her so bad that she, she tried to kill him. Right. Luckily, like he stuck up his arm and like almost like took his out his whole bicep, like it was everywhere. It was crazy. We ran. We went to went to my uncle's, and they were like, "Yeah, that's crazy. We don't even believe that, right?" Meanwhile, I'm covered in blood, and then the you old know, cops are everywhere. Dad's out there laying outside the outside the apartment building. You know, just it looks just like just crazy, right? And so that's when, that's when she decided, okay, you know, she had enough, you know, she went to jail. Like that night I went to my grandma's house like she lived across the street. So I was there for a week and like now finally, like my, you know, you know, my mother, right. She gets out, I, I guess. Right. Like I didn't know where she went really. I knew like what happened. I was there. I knew she got taken away. I guess I knew, but I just didn't, didn't register at the time I was young. Right. And like I seen her face, it was bruised bad. And like one night I was going into the washroom to brush my teeth, right? And I seen little Polaroids. And there was my mom's face just beating the shit, you know? And so that ended. That relationship was done. You know, I seen different people coming in and out of the house for a while. And then, you know, and then uh, she found Mr. Wright finally, you know? Which is the man that, like, that I consider my father, like my dad, right? Like not biologically, but in my heart, you know? And uh, yeah, you know, they were together for a while. They had two beautiful children, you know, my little brothers, you know, but Pop, like, that man was such like a, you know, how you say, gentle soul, you know? Like, you know, my mom's just a plain goof, plain and simple. Sorry to say that. I, I mean, that's just how I feel, right? And this is what this is all about, you know? So I'm just spitting it out there. So now I ended up in CAS, Canadian version of uh, Child Protective Services, uh, Children's Aid Society in Canada. That's what CAS stands for. So it's like group homes, foster care, things like that, right? So yeah, so I ran away. Next thing you know, I'm being picked up by some lady after school, and I end up in a house full of full of people, right? My kids, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, if they're like telling me this is gonna be fun. We're gonna have lunch, and it was. But then I started becoming a chronic runaway. And the first time that I smoked a joint, I was 11 years old. And like, I've already tried beer and everything at this time. And when you say you run away, you'd run away from the group home. Yeah. Yeah. I, so after I got a taste of running away for the first time before at, at, at my mom's house, I ended up in CAS and I started running away. I was in this one group home. I just started running away, running away, running away. I was running away from so many different group homes. Now I was getting kicked out of it. I've been in every group home, like from like east to west. But were you running away from the the confines of the structure and environment of the group home? Or or were you running to 
something else. I don't know what it was. I was, I think I was looking for something, you know? Yeah. It's like the absence of stability was normal for you. Where, where would you go? Home, not home, but like, like home is to where, like, I remember all the things that I did in my childhood and shit. So I'd go back to my neighborhood. Right. And I had lots of friends. We'd hang out, we'd start smoking and drinking, you know, playing like games and like doing everything. And then everything manifested. So one day now I'm, I signed myself at a, a children's aid society. I'm 16 years old. I meet my father after I haven't seen him now since I was like seven, eight years old. Like I've seen him a couple of times over the years, but that was it. He was in and out of jail, but my dad was heavy into the cocaine, the crack and shit. And, you know, one day, like my dad's like, Hey, uh, Hey, uh, can you, uh, can you give me that? Can you give me a motorized scooter? Like back in the day, back in those days, like two thousands, like I'm 16 at that time. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I can get one. So by that time I'm already involved in like stealing vehicles and, 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 and doing a lot of like crazy shit just with my friends. Right. So now I get with my dad, I get him this scooter. I'm like, pop, I need a hundred bucks. I need to get a PSP. I got a hundred and something right now already. She's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's like, I'll give you 200, no problem. So I'm like, perfect. I'm like, I can get my PSP, right? I'm super happy. Anyways, long story short, he comes up with drugs and he gives me a big chunk of this drugs, right? And I'm thinking, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't want this, right? Like you told me you were going to give me two bills or like whatever, you know, I'm like, I want a hundred, 150 bucks, but you know, you're telling me you're going to give me two bills. Okay. Well, fuck where's my money, you know? And so I give it back to him and then I'm sitting there and then he's talking and gabbing and telling stories, you know, like I've heard these stories over and over, but they're interesting because like, shit, I haven't seen my dad. I've been, you know, like whatever. I'm watching my dad, what he does. So I'm like, yo, pop, like, what do you like that stuff so much for, man? My dad's like, well, you have to try it to know like it's the only way you can know right so i'm like well fuck i'm like i see other people do it and it seems like they're having fun you know like geez so i'm like okay 16 years old he shows me how to do it like like he's doing it for me and i'm just like inhaling right it was over what drug was it that you were smoking cocaine crap i was 16 years old smoked weed right to that you know, so I spent many years, many, many years and lost a lot, a lot of years, lost a lot of years. I broke a lot of promises. I broke a few hearts, you know, like I did a lot of stuff in my life that I'm not proud of. You know, I seen a lot of shit. There's been a lot of abuse towards me while I was on runaway. You know, I was abused sexually from a person that I thought I was helping and I just didn't think that would happen. Eventually I got addicted to other drugs. You know, anything from heroin, cocaine, crack, fentanyl. That's where it ended with fentanyl, crystal meth, pills, any pill. At one point, I was in, one time I'm in youth detention and, you know, we're sitting in the back of the table playing a game past the bitch and we're beating each other's hands up with cards and snorting frigging whatever we can get our hands on. You know, so addiction was in my life for a long, long time. You know, I ended up consistent of, of doing a lot of years. You know, I did many years of federal sentence. 2012, I was convicted of three counts of robbery. I ended up getting three years. I got a year apiece, but I got a federal sentence. So now I'm out on parole. I get out on my stat. They wouldn't let me out on anything. Like I didn't get out early, nothing like that. See, through conversations with you and others with a criminal past who've experienced 
neglect, abandonment, and abuse, these conversations really blur the line between criminality and the complexities of the natural response to human struggle. It's not just a matter of being a bad person or a criminal. You're a human being grappling with challenges and hardships that manifested into criminal behavior and addiction. Was there some form of rehabilitation in the prison system? No, I was doing drugs all throughout when I was in jail. Like really? it was, it was possible, you know, like things happen in prison that shouldn't happen, but they do, man. Which perpetuates a cycle of crime and punishment and extended sentences and cascading up and down the prison system instead of offering genuine opportunities for transformation and recovery. Because it sounds like you can essentially go into prison without an addiction and come out a, a full-blown addict. Yeah. A lot of ODs happen, unfortunately. A lot of lives are lost. You know, a lot of bad things happen there. Particularly from your experience, how did substances get into inmates' hands? Well, there's all sorts of ways. Crooked staff, that's, that's a big one in some places. You know, you got people that may or may not work there that do it. Who knows, right? But you also have visits, you know, you got, you got things that you can do. Like there's ways, there's, there's a way to do everything. There's a way to do everything. You know, but 11 and a half years later, that's a nine and a half year sentence and 27 months in the provincial system. I did nine months in segregation. I did almost 18 months in segregation in the federal sentence. And during any of that time, did you actively pursue or engage in any recovery programs or initiatives to address any challenges, whether it be addiction or otherwise? At, at first, you know, over the years, I wasn't trying to recover. I was trying to escape, right? I was trying to, I was trying to let go of all the pain and all, like the abandonment, the abuse, you know, so I'd get high when I was in prison every day, you know, and it went from smoking a little bit of weed to shatter, to heroin, to fentanyl, to coke, to crack, to this, to that. Like you want it, you got it, you give it, I got it, whatever. So, you know, we're getting high as fuck in there. But generally, I'm not going to do uppers in prison because who the fuck wants to stay up in jail? So that's when the down came to my life. You know? Down being heroin. Yeah, it's the heroin, yeah. So, you know, and then, yeah, so I went from Max, I was in the whole 18 months, went to torture. Like, I just, I just had enough, right? And so I would do programs. I did volunteer programs. I educated my mind. I read a lot of books. Got my grade 12. Yeah, first one. First one on my goofy side of the family to get it, you know? But yeah, I'm happy about that. So despite the prevalence of drugs within our prison system and the evident shortcomings of that system, in the end, you were effectively able to address your addiction with meaningful rehabilitation in prison. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been out of prison? As long as I've ever been out of prison right now, I've been out of jail for a year. But I got to come back to something because this is very important. So I'm sitting in prison one day after I've castigated down to minimum, or sorry, not minimum, I never mentioned minimum, medium. I get a letter one day. Who is it? It's my little broski. He had my first, him and his baby mom had my first blood niece, eh? It's important to me. I didn't realize, I should have realized a long time ago how family was important, but I didn't realize until I seen how good parents, my brother and his baby mama, you know? 
my brother holds it down for real. You know, I have to admit he's a bigger man than me, right? You know, like he's a bigger man than me, you know, straight, you know, but so, so yeah, I just finally had enough over the last year, man. Like, I had enough, man. And I was like, I had to die. And it came up to three days before my birthday. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, fuck, I haven't done nothing. Like, in a couple of days, whatever. So I'm doing coke, whatever. And, and, uh, there was fentanyl in it. I died. I was died. I was dead for, I was dead for a minute and like 27 seconds. And they revived me. If they didn't revive me that time, uh, it was over, man. It was done. And my birthday came up and, uh, I'm on the bus. My boy, my boy, good friend of mine. Love you, buddy. I miss you. And, uh, uh, yeah, he took me out for my birthday and I got drunk. Like I was hammered, man. And, you know, true. I got high on, on the MDMA. I did some Molly, you know, went to the bar. I partied, smoked some crack, you know, I said, after today, it's done, man. It's things are different, man. That was April 8th. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, with, I've came off fentanyl on my own. I was on Suboxone for maybe a week. That's April 8th of this year, 2023. Yeah, that's right. So you recently broke free from two types of shackles. That's right. I struggled hard, man. Like as much as I wanted to keep doing drugs and shit, I knew that if I kept doing it, it was gonna, I, I was go out and do robberies and this and that. Like I do another robbery or a more, another gun robbery, like uh, a, a robbery with a firearm, you know, that I was convicted for and got seven years for. And like, I'm done. They're going to DO me or LTO me, which is long-term offender or dangerous offender, you know? And I, I'm, I'm finished, man, because like, I'm not going back to prison. I want to do my journey of helping people, you know? And then I got my own place, man. I got my own spot, my own space. I can go out of my roof, out of my window. I can, you know, sit there and, and, and play with my phone or my laptop or watch my TV and just sit there, watch the stars, man, and enjoy the universe and, and look up and see, oh, there's much more than four walls, you know, and hurting people and letting people down and finally make a promise. You can keep, I said, I wasn't coming into anybody's life. The ones that were important to me until I knew my head was strong. And I knew I was, I was like, yo, this is done. I'm 38 years old. It's done. I go back to jail and finish. It's over. It's time. It's done. It's over. Never get out. Never see the light of day. Done. I'm not having that. I got a niece out there. I got a little brother out there. I got two little brothers out there, you know, and I got a couple of, I got another little niece and another little nephew. I like there's a there's a huge big awesome family I've missed out on for fucking years, man. You know, considering his role in your addiction and your criminal lifestyle, how has your relationship with your dad evolved? Um, yeah, so so yeah, like over the years we did drugs together for the longest time, for many many years, but now he. Well, I just say he's in a worse spot now. You know, he's homeless. He lives in a tent. He's a crackhead. You know, he fucking treats his wife like shit, calls her names, disrespects her, says really horrible fucking things, and is rude and not right, you know? And I lashed out on him one day, and I said, you know what? This is what you did. This is what you are, and this is where I'm going. Fuck off. 
That was it. That was the last time I seen him. I left him there. You can find the meaning in the mess and the magic of every day with Melissa Armstrong coaching. Go to strongarm.ca for more. And what about the relationship with your mother? She's a goof too. She's a worse goof than he is actually. At least I had a friendship with him. You know, she's a goof. She gives up on all the kids. Walked out on her. I had another brother, biological brother. Gave him up for fucking adoption when he was a year and a half. Kept me for some fucked up reason. You know, remarried years later. Okay. Fucking walks out on that family. Kids, nah, she's not a mom. Nah, man, she's just a fucking egg donor. That's all she is, man. I'm sorry, I have anger towards her. It's fresh, but I love her to death. She's my mom, you know? But I just don't like her. I do not like her at all. The person she is, I gave up on her, man. I gave up on the on the parents that brought me into this fucked up world. And I said, I'm taking this fucked up world. I'm leaving it behind me, and I'm creating a new one. I got a dream board in my brain, and I'm going to get there. And, and then I had some help. I had a lot of help on the way. I'm not going to lie. There's you know, the people from the detox, you know, some nurses, the ambulance drivers. Like, there's a lot of people, you know, that, that there's people that brought me back to life, you know. And the shit that's in the past, that's gone. And then that review, it's going to show new shit. And then that new shit, good shit, that's going to go on my review. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to continuously see good shit. And the people around me are going to see good shit. I'm going to try to make people as happy as I possibly can. I'm going to try to do whatever I can. If I can change someone's life, if I can change a child's life and, and stop that, that, that person, that youth, to not go down that road, you know, to where it's drugs and, you know, this and that and then this and that and bigger and bigger. It's like a fucking snowball, man. It just, you start rolling it down the hill, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just going to crash. Eventually you're done. It's going to hit a tree or fall off a fucking cliff and you're done. You're, it's, it's over. Either you stop or you don't, or you don't, and then you stop, you know? One way or another, you have to stop. That's right. Plain and simple. It's not easy out there, but if, if you keep your mind right and you stay focused, man, like you can, you can accomplish anything, man. You know, like there's goals I've made. I mean, they're not huge goals, but I accomplished them. You know, good it is to say, you know what? I got my grade 12 finally. You know, or it's to say, hey, I completed this program, which, you know, like I did that, you know, hey, I got 24 hours clean. I got my chip. Woohoo! You know, like I, I did that. That's me. Big or small. You got that. You own that. Take that and prosper. You know, I got lots of prison tattoos. OK, my whole arm tells a story and the top of my arm. OK, is the number 11. Okay, which is the number for prosperity. And over my shoulder, wrapped around my shoulder, it says, always strive and prosper. Always strive and prosper, man. No matter what situation you're in, just keep trying. Keep trucking. Keep moving. Whatever your desire and heart's felt on, go for it. Reach for the stars, man. Reach for the moon. Get in a spaceship and take a ride because you can do it, man. Anybody can do it. You come from broken place, good place, bad place, wherever you're from, far and wide, worldwide. If you have peace in mind and, and, and love in your heart and compassion and, and, and things like that and community and family and, you're, and you build your strength, I think anybody can do it, man. Anyone. Anyone. For real. Oh, man, this is awesome, man. This is great. I'm glad I did this. Now I was nervous as shit, Nick. 
<laughs> Where were the parents? A common phrase heard when a child misbehaves. Yet, it is crucial to acknowledge that the intertwining effects of neglect, abandonment, and abuse blur the line between criminal behavior and the instinctual human response to those adversities. When children are raised in environments devoid of affection, security, and nurturing, their path becomes obscured, and the distinctions between right and wrong, legality and criminality, also become obscured. As we unravel the intricacies of human conduct, we realize that it is not merely a matter of labeling individuals as criminals. It's an opportunity to comprehend the profound impact of neglect, abandonment, and abuse, and how they shape these responses of individuals struggling to navigate a world that has failed to shield and nurture them. By addressing the root causes of these traumas and extending support, empathy, and rehabilitation, we can break the cycle and empower individuals to reclaim their humanity and reconstruct their lives. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. Addicts in the Dark is brought to you in part by Melissa Armstrong Coaching. Check out Melissa Armstrong at www.strongarm.ca. That's www.strongarm.ca.